Welcome to the Dog Talk Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And it's a gorgeous day today here in western Washington. Hi, Eric. Hey, good afternoon, Julie. It is a fantastic and beautiful day here in western Washington. Sunny cold. It's a good, good fall day. A very crisp autumnal afternoon. <laughs> yes. And we have a wonderful guest on the show today. We have Major Brian Dennis on the show. He's been uh, getting quite a bit of publicity and uh, media exposure lately um, with his story about his dog Nubs, the mm-hmm. true story of a mutt, a marine, and a miracle. And it is absolutely incredible. Yeah, this is a great story. I read up a little bit about this uh, earlier in the week, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing this conversation. Oh, it's just incredible. It's If you've ever seen that old movie, The Incredible Journey, it's, it's sort of similar to that. And uh, so we're going to have him on the show. We're going to bring him on in, in just a minute here. Um, so we're going to get to talk to him about his um, his experience finding this dog. And, and perfect for Veterans Day. It is. He's he, Nubs is, I guess, actually a, a dog veteran. Yeah, he's kind of a dog veteran. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's Because he was, I, I'm going to ask um uh, Brian about this on the show, but but that uh, I guess Nubs was a dog of war, so I'll ask him a little bit more about what that means, but doggy veterans too. So um, so let's not wait any longer, and let's bring him on and uh, and get started with the interview. Hi, Brian. Hello, how are you? Good. It's great to have you on the show. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's uh, good to be here. So you are in, are you, you're in San Diego? That's right. I'm uh, stationed at uh, Miramont, San Diego, California. Mm-hmm. And you have, uh, we got your book, actually a, a copy of the book before it was actually finished, but um, that it's, it looks like it's a book that's written for for children. Yeah, it's, uh, it's primarily uh, wanted to tell the story to children, but it's really a uh, I guess the overwhelming response I've gotten from people is it's just for dog lovers. I guess anyone who uh, anyone who likes dogs usually ends up liking the book. It's just a it's just a cool story about a cool dog. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I wish um, I wish that I could meet Nubs because he sounds <laughs> absolutely amazing. So basically, you now this was in um, I think this all started in in October. Of was this oh seven? Uh, yeah, that was uh, October two thousand seven. Is when when I first uh, ran into Nub. Okay, so why don't you tell us the first part of this story and and what you were doing? I know you were traveling from one place to the next. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Okay, uh, we were uh, well. I was the team leader of a uh, of a eleven man uh, uh, marine. Uh, border transition team, which basically entailed us, uh, but basically it was three Humvees, a whole lot of communications equipment, a bunch of weapons, and we uh, patrolled around the Syrian border, training the Iraqis in uh, uh, counterinsurgency operations, border security, uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would help them also with with the, these operations. And when we patrolled up there, uh, well, all along this maybe uh, 100, 150 miles of border that we'd be working uh these there's a there's wild dogs everywhere they live in a kind of a pack existence and we uh we ended up kind of befriending some of them in different areas we'd go and we'd give them names and uh they just kind of helped pass the time you know and uh it, it was uh i guess some of the 
our team bonded with uh, some of these uh, some of these dogs out there. Mm-hmm. And now there was one dog that seemed to single you out. Yep, there was uh, <laughs> this one little guy up uh, up at the one set of ruins up there. Was we named him Nubs uh, because his uh, his ears had been cut off. He had really no ears, just a uh, tiny nubs for ears, really. And uh, yeah, he he really bonded with our whole team. He was one of the friendlier dogs. He just came right up to us. And uh, if you see in the book there some of the pictures, even the one on the back of me petting him, and that's within a. Uh, Five minutes of meeting him for the first time, he just ran up to us and, uh, and started <laughs> playing with us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you say that his his ears were cut off because he was a dog of war, do you know uh-huh. more of what that actually means? Well, it's the Iraqis. Uh, the some of the Iraqi soldiers are are a little bit abusive of the uh, the dogs over there. And this particular dog, one of the Iraqis, decided to cut his ears off. When he was a puppy, to uh, to try to make him tougher, to make him, uh, as it was explained to me, as a as a better fighter. You know, I guess it's not uncommon with uh, people who, as I found out later, the people who breed dogs for fighting and stuff, they they do that at times. So it's just, uh, yeah, I, I didn't make much sense to me, but mm-hmm. that's what they did. And so he he was owned by somebody or had a human and then he somehow found himself more stray and traveling around with this pack of of uh like stray slash wild dogs well not not exactly it's probably easier to think of uh less like a dog like a less of less of a stray dog their existence out there is more what you think of like a like a pack of wolves or or, uh, or maybe uh the way coyotes live they're wild dogs living in the desert they're hunting they have they, uh, they have definitely have a, a hierarchy of a of a, nor- of a pack existence, mm-hmm. and uh, but the Iraqis, uh, the the dogs also scavenge much like uh, coyotes do. So the Iraqis kind of tolerate them, mm-hmm. let them eat their scraps, let them live around their forts because uh, it's kind of a mutually beneficial relationship. Because the the dogs are kind of an early warning system for the guys who work the border forts. They'll right. they'll alert them to anyone approaching, and, and uh, it kind of helps them out. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the model for how dogs came into existence as a species for people, the most popular theory, that they they did exactly that. They kind of cleaned up the scraps and yep. were really great uh, alarms for predators or other, um, any sort of enemy that might be a threat. They'd get, yeah. you know, sound the alert and all that. So that totally makes sense. And so you you would travel to so you travel to the site you met Nubs you guys he kind of hung out with you and stayed with you for your guard duty and then the next day you had to leave and travel back to your base. Yep, there where we uh, where we operated out of. Uh, I mean, we'd spend you know several days at a time in the field patrolling. Uh, but where we uh, and training the Iraqis, but where we actually operated out of our kind of forward base of operations was uh, maybe uh, almost 70 miles to the south of where Nubs and his pack lived. So we would only see Nubs um, every couple weeks. We'd go up to that area of the border, we'd work for a few days, and then we'd go we'd go back down um, uh, to our forward operating base to clean our equipment, clean our weapons, get geared up for the next mission. Uh-huh. So we'd we'd only see Nubs in his pack every couple of weeks or so. Okay, and so the next time you came up, um, or I guess at the end of December, you came and you found that Nubs had been wounded. Mm-hmm. 
and um, you know you took care of him as best you could while you were there, and then you had to leave again. And he would chase you guys for like about a mile each time, but then yeah, he, but then stop. Yep. Ever, well, ever, I think it was maybe the third trip up there is when he was hurt. But the other times when we left there, he'd follow the Humvees. It was pretty funny. He'd run after us and uh, and follow us. But uh, this this trip uh, when we got up there in December. Um, he'd been wounded. It was, uh, I heard secondhand, one of the Iraqis, um, one of the soldiers had stabbed him uh, with a with a screwdriver. I guess they got, he got mad at him. I really don't understand exactly what happened. I never heard the full story, but he had a very bad wound on his left side, and uh, it uh, uh, was infected. He lost a bunch of weight, and, mm-hmm. I mean, it really looked... He really looked like he was on death's bed a lot. We we didn't we weren't really sure if he was going to make it through the night because it got freezing cold that night. It got down about eighteen degrees, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the corpsman of my team and I we we kind of cleaned up his wound a little bit the best we could. Um, we gave him some uh, antibiotics, you know, kind of guessing <laughs> how much to give a, a dog, and mm-hmm. and uh, we figured what could it hurt. You know, we we really didn't know if he was going to make it or not, but. He ended up making it through that night, we, and uh, we had to we had to leave on patrol the next day. It was kind of hard to leave him behind, all beat up like that. But uh, you know, we we definitely we had a mission. We had a uh, we had bad guys running around out there, and you know, we had we had other stuff going on. So we mm-hmm. kind of patched him up best we could and left him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, uh, that must have been really hard for you guys to leave him. Yeah, you know, but you just didn't have a choice, and and you're not allowed to you know, have pets, which makes mm-hmm. sense while while you're out there. So, yeah. um, and then two weeks later you came back and, and he was, he was there again and he, he stayed with you and, you know, you fed him and tried to take care of him again. And he was still, um, he was healing, but still certainly very compromised at that point. Yeah. He was definitely getting better, but he was still hurt. I mean, the big news is when we went up there, we weren't sure if he was going to still be alive, you know. Yeah. And so when we showed up there, it was obvious that he turned the corner and was getting better. He still had the wound. He still it uh, actually broke one of his ribs, but he was uh, he was doing a lot better. And we knew at this point he'd be okay. And uh, the team was pretty happy. We're like, okay, he's going to make it. Yeah. And uh, once again, we get on to uh, uh, the business of hand up there and working. And uh, we and a couple days later, we end up leaving and heading south again. Mm-hmm. Well. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to find out what Nubs did this time when you guys had to leave and go back to your base. Okay. It's absolutely, absolutely incredible, and just the beginning of a very incredible journey. So we'll be back in just a few minutes with Major Brian Dennis, and is Nubs right there next to you for this interview? or? He actually is. He's, uh, he's right next to me hanging out. Excellent. Well, we'll be back with both of you then in just a few minutes. You're listening to the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150. Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, 
raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Northwest School of Animal Massage, we cover the world of living successfully with your animal friends. This week, September 22nd, it's a Behavior Training and Healing Sunday with me. We'll catch up on all the animals in the news and all that's happened in my absence. Plus, I'll have open phone lines for your calls and questions. So if you've got a problem with any of your animal friends, call me and I'll help you fix them. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Want a faster metabolism? Desperate for more energy throughout the day? Food is our most powerful medicine, and on Passionate Nutrition Radio, I'll answer your burning nutrition questions and offer real solutions for your family. On Passionate Nutrition Radio, you'll learn how to transform how you look and feel with the foods that you eat. My name is Jennifer Adler, and I'm a nutritionist, chef, and founder of Passionate Nutrition, a nutrition practice with six locations throughout the greater Puget Sound area. Join me on Passionate Nutrition Radio for a weekly serving of nutrition wisdom. Learn more at PassionateNutrition.com. That's Passionate Nutrition every Friday at noon. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist www.sensitivedog.com alternative to what alternative to everything else out there on the radio alternative talk 1150 a.m Welcome back to the Dog Talk Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. We're back with Major Brian Dennis and his dog, his miraculous dog, Nubs. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me. So uh, we left off uh, before the break. Um, We were talking about how Nubs had seemed like he had turned a corner from his injury. Mm -hmm. And he was seemed like he was getting better. but was still certainly compromised. And then you had to leave him again mm-hmm. to travel back uh, 70 miles to your base. And every time that you left, Nubs would follow you for like about a mile. Is that right? And then kind of give up and stop? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, he usually followed. Uh, I mean, that's about what we guessed. It's just he'd stay with us and he'd run as long as he could. And uh, and uh, then, then he'd end up kind of falling back behind. Mm-hmm. And so, tell us what happened this time. Well, this time was unique because because uh, uh, we head on back, and uh, once again he's uh, running after us. And uh, somewhere after falling back, he decided that uh, <laughs> he decided he was going to keep keep following the Humvees this time. And uh, we, of course, make it back to the base, and uh, you know we are cleaning our vehicles and doing uh, doing all our business uh, back at the at the at the Ford operating base and. And uh, about 48 hours later, uh, Nubs uh, showed up. <laughs> he followed us and found us. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So he must have tracked this. He must have followed the scent of of the Humvees. Well, that's what everyone asks is, you know, how did he do it? And I don't know if there's a combination of visually tracking the the tracks or the smell, maybe the tires left in the sand. I, I don't know. I mean, he, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. He, however he did it, he, it was almost 70 miles, and he, uh, he, uh, he found us, and it only took him two days to make the trip. So. Wow. And he was wounded, and it was winter time. Yeah, it was really cold and snowy, nasty, nasty. Uh, it's like the surface of the moon out there in western Alambar. It's a very inhospitable uh, environment, and he had to cross. Uh, we kind of knew the uh, the areas that he had to cross to get to us. So a lot of the other wild dog packs, they're very territorial, and it was obvious that on the way there, he'd uh, been through several of their territories and had to kind of fight his way through. He was all bit up and, and uh, was missing one of his teeth. <laughs> when he showed up, wow! His big, his big right, his uh, right upper canine was missing. So he was a uh, he was a mess, but uh, it was amazing uh, when he showed up. Our whole team went crazy. I was hanging out inside uh, one of the Iraqi um, uh, buildings there in the in the port town where we were do- just uh, talking uh, some business, and one of my Marines came running inside and was like, "You're not going to believe who uh, was outside with by the Humvees." I'm like. I think he's talking about a person. I'm like, who? He says, Nubs is out there. They Nubs, Nubs the dog? And uh, he's like, I'm like, there's no way. It couldn't be. So we go running out there, and, and sure enough, it's, uh, Nubs is, <laughs> is out there going crazy. <laughs> and what did he do when he saw you? Oh, he just went crazy. He was jumping up on uh, on our, our whole team. He loved, I mean, he loved all of our guys. Everyone had kind of adopted him, so he's just, you know, running from guy to guy and jumping up on him and playing with him. And, uh, and uh, you know, he jumped up on me, and he just, he's just going crazy. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah. That must have been absolutely unbelievable for you to be like, what? Yeah, it was very, uh, very surreal. And just, you know, the biggest question were just like, how in the heck did you get here? You know, it was just so funny. Mm-hmm. Well, what's interesting to me is that he clearly made a choice. I mean, you know, he had followed you, you know, a certain amount of of distance, you know, maybe a mile or two, you know, several times before that and then stopped and just mm-hmm. kind of gave up. And then there was something that caused him to keep going where he was just like, you know, this is yeah. it. this is it. I mean, I don't. You know, I just I've got to go. Like, there's just something. It's so curious to me what, you know, I mean, what happened, and trying to even understand how dogs think and experience things. But mm-hmm. you know, it just he stopped, and then he just decided to keep walking. And it, it does seem like he made a choice. You know, um, I don't know. I've tried to. I've tried to spend a lot of time thinking about it from this perspective. You know, it, I mean, it seems. I don't know. I mean, I think part of it is that uh, is that he never had affection before, you know, never been pet and played with and all this stuff. And that's, you know, one of the things he got from our team. And we fed him and we were always kind to him. And, you know, you just think about that dog's existence out there. Um, you know, most, as with, uh, you know, many, many animals who live in nature, a lot, a lot of their life revolves around violence and fighting for existence. And, and then any encounter he'd had with, with a human, you know, was usually bad, you know, one guy had cut his ears off, another guy had stabbed him, so, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he really had no reason, but, but, but we, I guess, you know, from the first moment we met him, we just, we were so kind to him, and we played with him, and everyone, uh, 
he got a lot of affection from uh, from me and the team, and he got treats all the time. So it seems like he uh, made a conscious decision that uh, I think I'm going to go join this new pack. They're pretty cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not being left behind this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you said that the your guys' best guess is that Nubs is probably about five years old now? Yeah, that's what the, some vets have told me. Some vets... Uh, it's, it's kind of a guess but at best, you know, they're just not really exactly sure. But they're like, yeah, looking at his teeth, looking at his face, you know, he looks like he's probably five, five, six years old or something. Mm-hmm. And do you um, have any guesses as far as what his breed mix is? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, all the dogs out there are all, you know, crossbreeding. I mean, there are tr- true mutts by the definition of the word. Um, they also... Uh, some of them is mixed with some of the wolves out there, and there's some hybrids out there. That's the, what he looks like, he looks like a small version. He looks like a 40-pound version of a German Shepherd. Mm-hmm. But instead of being tan and black, he's more kind of kind of uh, silverish and gray. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the problem with that theory is that there's just you know talking to some people, they, there's no real German Shepherds who are indigenous to that area, or you know, I guess it's possible that maybe. A military dog at one point could have escaped and, and interbreeded. I, I, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not enough of a scientist to understand how it could it happen. But he, if you if you wanted to pick a dog he most closely resembles, it's uh, maybe a gray, a small gray version of a German Shepherd is kind of what he looks like. Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at him right now. He definitely looks um, Shepherd-like. Yeah, but you just if never you can know. imagine. If you can, if you kind of project the lines of his ears, like where they'd go up naturally, you know, they kind of look like kind of pointy German Shepherd ears, I think. So. Yeah. And then some people have kind of told me, well, you can do this DNA testing and figure out what he is, and it's just, I just tell him, I just, I really don't care what he is, you know, he's nubs, you know, he's, he's his own. Yeah. He's his own special little guy, so I'm really not that concerned. He's just, uh, he's very unique and uh, he's got a very unique personality. Just the, just the coolest dog. Just really, really. Really cool dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a breed DNA test done on one of my dogs who I had to put down three months ago, and he I always thought that he was a shepherd mix mm-hmm. for 12 years, and it turns out he was a lab Saluki mix. No kidding. And if you look, I mean, if you look at the pictures of the two breeds and put them together, you, you can totally see it, but mm-hmm. when you just sort of look at them at first glance, it's like, oh, definitely shepherd. I mean, it looks German shepherd, but mm-hmm. yeah, so it was pretty interesting, but I was definitely like you, like I didn't really care what his breeds were because he just was who he was to me, but yeah, it was pretty interesting. I was kind of pretty shocked, actually, Yeah, 12 years of relating to him as a shepherd mix and then found out he wasn't. So almost like the uh, the Maury Povich, you know, uh, reveal, uh, you know, who's your daddy? <laughs> right. <laughs> not not quite as dramatic as that, but <laughs> so um, so you guys got uh, reported once Nubs. I mean, for nothing that you had chosen to do, Nubs was the one who followed you to where you were. Yep. And uh, you know he he be he you guys built him a little dog house and he was hanging out there with you guys and. And then you got reported, and then somebody had said that you had to get rid of him. Yeah, he, uh, well, basically the camp kind of adopted him. We probably had 80 or so guys out there, soldiers, Marines, uh, who lived at this, uh, at this, uh, at this Ford operating base or, or combat outpost, as they call them. And, um, 
everyone kind of adopted him. Almost everyone loved him right away. Some guys made him a doghouse, painted dubs on it within the first day or two he was there. He just kind of trotted around. People fed him, and he just he definitely seemed to raise spirits. Everyone just uh, kind of enjoyed him. You know, he became everyone's little buddy. And, and uh, except for a couple people, there was a couple people who were very vocal about it being against the rules and whatnot. Mm-hmm. We were kind of looking the other way because we're just like, you know, it's kind of extenuating circumstances. I mean, he found his own way here, uh, and we're in the middle of nowhere, literally. We're in the most probably obscure uh, outpost out in Al Anbar, and uh, we're just like, you know, we just, I guess we were just kind of looking the other way, but uh, some a couple of guys were very vocal about that he, he had to go. So um, they basically told on us eventually. They told higher, our higher headquarters that... Uh, we were harboring this uh, fugitive Iraqi dog, and uh, <laughs> our higher headquarters called down and, and uh, told us that we had to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, well, what are you going to do with him? Be- you know, well, yeah, he's that's, just gonna... that was our choice. We yeah. sat down as a team and talked about it. We're like, well, you know, what are we going to do with him? I mean, we're not going to, you know, we talked about taking him back to the old ruins where he lived, but uh, we knew he could probably find us again. And uh, it was pretty quick. We're just like, you know, we're going to figure out how to get this guy to America. Yeah. And uh, that became our new mission, like how to how to rescue nubs. And it's kind of interesting. A lot of people want to vilify the guys, like you know, what who are these jerks, you know, don't they like dogs and what have you? But you know, without them, nubs wouldn't be in America right now because nubs. The way I envisioned it was that uh, he would stay at the camp, and the next, you know, the next group of Marines who came in to relieve us, we'd turn him over to them, and mm-hmm. his his job would just be to kind of lift spirits at the camp and be the camp dog. But uh, these guys, uh, you know. The blessing in disguise that they uh, that they told on us, because then we decided to evacuate him to America. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It definitely brings up you know beliefs of fate and things like that. Because the, I mean the whole thing is like you just really had to take leap of faith after leap of faith, you know, to from start to finish. And uh, mm-hmm. so it really you know in retrospect it was just part of part of his journey and and i can definitely mm-hmm. see where you could look at it as being thankful because as you said it wouldn't have gotten him to where he is now so yeah. uh we're going to take another break and when we come back we'll talk about this next part of nubs's journey from the middle east to san diego so we'll be back in just a few minutes with the dog talk show and brian dennis and nubs you're listening to alternative talk 11:50 a.m so I love my dog as much as I love you. But you make a fake, my dog will always come through. Do you have an injury, old or new, that won't heal? Are you fighting a cold or illness you can't kick? Do you feel like you've tried everything and are still struggling to find wellness and balance in your physical health? Have you been unimpressed with acupuncture in the past? For over a decade, Robert Medusia has been making a difference for people who thought they had exhausted their options. Don't settle for pain and illness. Call 425-828-6190. That's 425-828-6190. Again, 425-828-6190. The Acupuncture and Sports Clinic of Kirkland. Heal faster, play longer. 
Hi, I'm Pat Pauley. Tune into my show, Get Active, each Tuesday at 12 noon on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about one of the wonderful activities in the Puget Sound region, ones that you may want to participate in. We'll focus on how adult beginners can comfortably get into all of these activities. You'll learn a lot about how you can get active. Be sure to listen. That's Get Active with me, Pat Pauley, at 12 noon each Tuesday on Alternative Talk. 1150. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. See conversationslive.net for show schedule and guest information. Get current weather, traffic, and news. Visit 1150kknw.com and stay informed with Alternative Talk 1150 a.m. Welcome back to the Dog Talk Show. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. We are brought to you in part by Wellness Pet Food. And we're back with Major Brian Dennis and his dog, Nubs. Welcome back, Brian. Thank you for having me. So uh, let's hear the rest of the story now, because it got you, you got to the point where you had to get rid of Nubs. So what were you going to do with him? And so he started another part of his journey to you decided to try to get him back to the states yeah the uh so the journey back to the states was uh my uh interpreter one of my interpreters for my team is, uh, was from jordan he's a jordanian and his brother uh lived in jordan and that's kind of the the strategy we went to get him home we figured if we could get him across the border of jordan that uh, uh we could ship him back to the states from there so that's kind of the route we went and it uh Basically, it just entailed jumping through a lot of uh, a lot of hoops, a lot of red tape. The Jordanian government for us, kind of, uh, uh, you know, working with the uh, Ministry of Health and all this, you know, and obviously all the documents come in Arabic. And my interpreter has to translate them for me, and then we fill them out, and then he translates them back. It was relatively uh, complicated, but uh, we ended up getting it done. It uh, wasn't too bad, and then uh, obviously it was uh, it cost uh, a little bit of money to do this, almost five thousand dollars at the end of the day. To, Wow. To complete everything, yeah. <laughs> An expensive mutt. It was, but a lot of friends uh, back home kind of mobilized and uh, kind of, you know, started some grassroots, like uh, save the nubs funds at work and whatnot. And, uh, there's, you know, there's no shortage of uh, of uh, dog lovers out there who love to be involved with something like this. So it was it, it was uh, very easy to raise the, the money to, to save nubs. Yeah. So you, yeah. Got, you got things sort of organized, and then you let them go. Yep. Basically, uh, we end up coordinating with the, uh, the Jordanians and do a kind of exchange at the border one day. And we hand them off to uh, my interpreter's brother and the Jordanian officials, and off he goes. <laughs> yeah. And, gosh, you just, that must have been been so hard. And, you know, just uh, praying that he would make it safely to where he needed to go because there were quite a few phases of the trip. He went and stayed with the king of jordan or something like that or his his kennel yeah he stayed at the jordan the king of jordan's uh, uh kennels is where he stayed for two weeks and got uh got his shots and got a uh, got all sort of or documentation that he was uh you know had all his rabies shots and vaccinations and what have you and then uh 
about how long it took to coordinate the uh, the, the flight for him, and uh, ended up uh, ended up uh, getting on a plane and flying to Chicago from Amman, Jordan, to Chicago, about a ten hour flight, which uh, must have been kind of traumatic for him. Mm-hmm. You know. And then he, and then from there he went to San Diego, and you had some people, you know keeping him for you and and then people who met him in San Diego and and then kept him for you until you got back and how long was that uh it was about uh, I was about a month behind him okay yeah we had our own reunion when I get back <laughs> and so tell me about I mean there's some pictures of it and there's this first picture of him he's got this look on his like he's looks like he's really anticipating something and uh yeah. tell me what that was like to be reunited with him in the U.S. Yeah, I think the picture you're talking about is out of the book. It's like he's really focused on something, and yeah. actually, someone's—that's actually him spotting me walking up uh, when I just uh, showed back up to Camp Pendleton there. Yeah. And uh, and then obviously there's the follow-on pictures of him kind of jumping up and uh, and licking me. But yeah, it was uh, there was actually a moment he's looking at me, and then he walks up, and it takes him about five seconds to figure out who I am, and then he just goes crazy and starts jumping on me and licking me, and uh, it was really really cool. And uh, I had some great friends back home. We took really good care of him and and, uh, and helped kind of socialize him to life back here in San Diego. He's, he's got it pretty good these days, I'd say. Yeah. Now, did you have, did he have any, I know it says that he worked with a trainer and went to school and that kind of thing. Did he have any um, behavioral, you know, th- issues that he had to kind of get through or, you know, what Absolutely. was that like? Yeah, I mean, he's a wild dog, and he definitely, he, it's taken a lot of socialization. It's, it's a work in progress still, you know. I continue to take him to the dog park and take him to meet people. and uh, But, I mean, if you've seen him, you know, if you've seen him in any, any media or anything, he's, he's pretty well adjusted. He does amazingly well for what he's been through. But it's just, uh, it definitely is work. Uh, a good friend of mine, is, his name is Graham. He's in the, uh, Graham Bloom is in the book. Um, him and the folks down at Snug Pet Resort in San Diego were very instrumental in just providing free training for them. They just want, they wanted to be involved with the story and wanted to help them. They were very kind, mm. and uh, and they helped train them. They spent a lot of time uh, just socializing him and helping him to get along with other dogs and mm-hmm. helping him to get over it. Like, he had strange fears. Like, he hated the, I mean, I guess there's some dogs like this, but he, hate, he hates any hard floors, um, like uh, hardwood floors or tile floors or, or marble floors at all, it just terrifies him. He doesn't want to walk on them, but just continuing to work him through it, work him through it with treats and stuff, he's, he's, uh, he's able to, he's fine now, you know. Mm-hmm. Any any other, you know, be, behavioral quirks or anything like that that you guys had to work him through? You just got to watch him. He, he meets certain people, and he really, really likes them. Yeah. He meets other people, and he shies away from them. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, the trend seems to be that he gravitates towards men more than women. For some reason, he's a little more nervous around women. Huh. Uh, I guess we all are, right? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just. It seems that it, it seems that he, he's. But I, and I really don't understand why. It's just. But uh, some people he really likes, and it's just like I said. It's. I don't. I don't kind of look at it as like his training's done. He's complete. I. I we just try to keep working with him. You know. Try yeah. To keep making his life better and making him. Uh, uh, making him comfortable and happy, and that's kind of the mission is just to make sure that he's, you know, after all he's been through, that he's got a good, happy life. I try not to make every day like boot camp for him, you know. We definitely train him, but yeah, um, definitely make sure he's got, he, he has a lot, he has a pretty good life. I take him out running on the trails, yeah. uh, take him to the beach, take him to the dog park, he's doing pretty good. Yeah. 
Well, I wanted to, I know you only have a couple more minutes, but I wanted to tell you about an organization that um, I'm on the board of directors for and my partner's the vice president of called Service for Service. And they train mental health service dogs with combat veterans that suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's a a pilot program in in Washington state. And I think there's only been a few programs that have sort of tried to try to do this. Um, And so they're using shelter dogs or dogs that that need a home. And um, there's certain things, certain tasks and things that they can do as a mental health service dog to help ease, uh, you know, some of the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder um, really providing comfort and, and ease for veterans um, coming back, the men and women coming back from from the war who suffer from that. And it's just, you know, when you tell me about the effect that Nubs had when he was, you know, at your base and kind of what he did brought, I would imagine, just a lightness and and some humor and some comfort to to you guys out there. And uh, so I just kind of thought of, you know, how they're, they do that for, for veterans here as well. So that's a, it's the organization's called Service for Service, and it's still in the, um, in the beginning stages of it. But the, I think the website will be serviceforservice.org. So. That sounds like a, a great program, and I can totally, I can totally see uh, how that program would work. I mean, there's just no doubt. There's no, there's no doubt that, that dogs can be therapeutic and, and help heal. And what a great program if you can if you can, you know, help some, uh, help some animals uh, looking for work or home or a better place and, and combine them with some people who need some help, too. That's, that's just amazing. That's great. Yeah. So uh, you had said that um, you're going to be um, going back next year, I think, in October? Yeah. If uh, things stay the way they're scheduled, probably, probably uh, October or so next year, we'll be heading uh, over to Afghanistan or uh, what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you have uh, someone lined up for Nubs care while you're gone. Yeah, I've got a, a really good friends who received him the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, good friends, Eric and Chrissy, have a dog that is like his best friend named Kublai. Yeah, and uh, he just he loves it over there. So yeah, so it'll be perfect. Good. Yeah. Well, it's been wonderful seeing you all over the place. You were on Conan O'Brien and the Today Show, and that must <laughs> just be such a trip, you and Nubs. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's been, uh, it's been overwhelming. I mean, it just shows me that we really are a nation of dog lovers, you know, and animal lovers in general. There's just so many out there, and uh, I guess that's why there's been interest in the story. I always say that I didn't really do anything that special. I did what any dog lover would have done. I guarantee you would have done exactly what I did, patched up a hurt dog, and then he came and found you, so you figure out a way to find, you know what I mean? It's, but what, what's amazing is what Nubs did, you know, that's, that's what everyone's focus, I think it should focus on, is just that, is this, uh, it just shows how loyal dogs are, and I think the central theme in the book is that uh, if you do something kind for someone, that they just don't forget you. I think that's what, I hope that's what translates to kids or, or, or dog lovers who read the book, is just that, uh, just to be kind, and, and people never forget that. Yeah. So kind of, so they'll be loyal, always. And for Nubs, too, I mean, just a, a lesson in, in forgiveness and staying open, given what he had been through with people, and that he was mm-hmm. still open to, you know, to receiving the love and affection that came from you guys over there and then continuing through his journey here. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, give him a special pat for me. I can only imagine what an extraordinary dog he is, and I just love that he's with you and... 
you know, just enjoy every day. It's just, well, he is special, and and uh, if you don't mind me taking just a moment to uh, to wish all the veterans out there a happy Veterans Day. And uh, yesterday was also the Marine Corps birthday, so kind of a special couple days for us in the military. Yeah. Uh, also, and uh, the the authors who helped me, Mary Mary Nethery and Kirby Larson, I couldn't have told this story without them. So, uh, yeah. two amazing ladies that kind of found the story and really helped me tell it to to, to, to children. So. Yeah, well, that's great. Great. Well, thanks so much for both of you for being on the show. Nub there, nubs there in spirit, and uh, just have a have a great rest of your day. It was wonderful talking to you. Well, thanks. If you want to see some uh, more pictures of nubs, there's also a website, uh, thestoryofnubs.com. Thestoryofnubs.com has all kinds of great pictures and media links for them too. If anyone wants to look at it, thestoryofnubs.com. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. Well, Excellent. Thanks again for having me. It was great. Yes. Thanks so. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Seems like we should probably get a link of that up on the Dog Talk Show website. Oh, yeah. I have to check that out. So so Nubs is spelled N-U-B-S, thestoryofnubs.com. And um, the how I became aware of this is through um, their book that Brian just mentioned, um, which is called Nubs. The True Story of a Mutt, a Marine, and a Miracle. And uh, we actually, when we come back from break, we have some copies of that book to give away, as always. So um, we're going to take uh, our last break. And when we come back, we will I will prompt you to co- give us a call. And we have a few copies of that book to give away. So stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few minutes with the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150. And they called it puppy love Oh, I guess they'll never know Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S.-sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, Raw or cooked can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Northwest School of Animal Massage, we cover the world of living successfully with your animal friends. This week, September 22nd, it's a Behavior Training and Healing Sunday with me. We'll catch up on all the animals in the news and all that's happened in my absence. Plus, I'll have open phone lines for your calls and questions. So if you've got a problem with any of your animal friends, call me and I'll help you fix them. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's Dog Behavior Training and Nutrition Specialist www.sensitivedog.com Talk radio with a difference. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. 
Welcome back to the Dog Talk Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And we have been talking with Major Brian Dennis and his dog, Nubs, and his absolutely incredible story of how he found this dog or this dog found him in Iraq. And We didn't actually get to speak to Nubs himself, but he was, he was standing by during the conversation. He was. So. He was right next to him. Yeah. And I'm looking at a picture of him, so... And it's just, uh, it's just absolutely incredible. It so blows me away. And just with how everything had to fall into place the way that it did. Yeah. It just feels like. Kismet. Fate. There you go. <laughs> Same thing. Um, and, you know, just beating the odds and even making that journey and surviving it and then getting to through to Jordan and then getting to the States and then. Getting reunited and it, it sounds like Nubs is a pretty good judge of character too, a pretty good judge of people because uh, you know he just uh, latched on to the, the probably the nicest guy in that bunch. I, I mean, I don't know them obviously, but it yeah. seems like he he is a really nice guy, and yeah. uh, it, it really seems like Nubs was able to just kind of zone in on who would really go yeah. out of his way to to help him out. He's so, smart. He said, yeah. um, I think when we were talking off air, Brian said that he really. He bonded, um, it sounds like he bonded particularly with Brian, but that he really bonded with with everybody out there, and, and most of the people there were just so thrilled to have him there. And I bet if you're, you know, you're out there in the middle of nowhere, and it's it's got to be uh, kind of frightening, but also kind of monotonous, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, to have, like, the comfort of, of a dog uh, just being around, or even just the distraction of a mm-hmm. dog being around. It's got to be nice, actually. I Yeah, I can totally get that. I can only imagine, I can't really imagine what it would be like to be to be out there in that environment, and then to have a dog around. I mean, we do that here, where we bring dogs into environments, you know, into hospitals, and mm-hmm. And and just what they do for our spirit and to think of, you know, what he contributed over there and then, you know, him just making the journey out here. And and um, it's just so awesome. So we we have uh, some books to give away of this nubs, the true story of a mutt, a marine and a miracle. And it's um, it's sort of in the format of a children's book. Um, Really, really lots of really great pictures. And it Mm -hmm. does tell the story of their journey together. So give us a call if you would like to receive one of those books. We have a few copies to give away to the first few callers. And if you'd like to come on air and um, and comment or or if you saw them on any of the shows, uh, we'd love to hear from you too on air, but, but you don't have to come on air. Just give us a call, 425-373-5527. That's 425-373-5527. Or toll-free in Western Washington, 888. And remember, this is an encore edition of The Dog Show. Well, it is really nice that something kind of heartwarming can come out of the Iraqi war experience, which is, uh, you know, we hear about it in the news all the time. And a very bleak uh, Mm -hmm. conversation usually taking place of of what's happening over there. And so it's really nice to actually get a kernel of hope here and there, you know, something like this, you know, something heartwarming like that. It's very nice. Yeah. So we have uh, we have a caller on line one. We have Lainey in Milton. Hi, Lainey. Hi. So uh, you're you're calling in for a, a free book about the story of Nubs. Yep, I like this story so far. It's really good. 
Yeah, it's pretty amazing how how he followed them for like 70 miles in the yeah. winter. It's a long ways. It is a long Very ways. Long. It, <laughs> it is. It's a great book. You're going to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and have you listened to the show before? Um, we were a second ago. You were. So did you get to yep. hear, did you get to hear uh, hear most of the story? Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you have any questions for me, or were you just calling in to say hi and get a copy of the book? It's to say hi and get a copy of the book. Well, that's great. Thanks so much for calling in, and we will get a copy of that book out to you uh, this week. Okay. All right. Thanks, Lainey. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And, and this does, you know, uh, seem like this would appeal very well to children. But uh, like uh, Brian was pointing out, to any dog lover would uh, would love this book. Absolutely, so. it's it's amazing. I mean, this is a, a very very powerful story, and uh, I definitely I have a couple copies of it. This this copy here that's not quite finished, and then a finished copy. Um, so we've got a few copies of that book to give away. A few more copies of that book. So feel free to give us a call, 425-373-5527. That's 425-373-5527 or toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-5569. You know, we should have asked if we could have got those potographed uh, by Nubs himself. Yes. <laughs> Stamped. Nice. Well, yes. this looks like there is actually a paw print. It's oh, yeah, he did digital, potograph. <laughs> but he did, yep, the stamp of approval. Very good. Yeah, I'm just so curious as a as a trainer, you know, working with dogs be, behaviorally that just I'm there's so many parts of it that blow me away. But that he um, just was able to adjust. And it's just so impressive how dogs can just be so adaptable to yeah, he's, whatever the environment he's used is to uh, Iraqi wild dog customs. Another not world, really. California customs. Yeah. So. And really another world. <laughs> yeah. So. uh yeah, so give us a call if you want a copy of that book, 425-373-5527. We'll send you out a copy. Um, and this week, um, I've been been doing the dog dedication songs. I didn't do it last week, but I've been doing it for the past several weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you would like me to dedicate a song at the end of the show to your dog, um, either a past dog that you have or a dog that you currently have, it might be a, a song that your dog likes to sing along to or maybe a song that means something to you for your dog or you just want me to dedicate a song that I choose. Or like the, the song we played earlier in the hour, Everything Reminds Me of My Dog. So that means there's <laughs> going to be some songs oh, out yeah. there that remind you of your dog. Absolutely. Um, you can email me at host at dogtalkshow.com and I'd be happy to dedicate a song to your dog on air. Um, and you can either tell me what song or I'll choose a song for you. Delilah style um and I this show actually um (laughs) this show is dedicated in in addition to the song um is dedicated to Tink who uh was my mom's dog who just last weekend passed away um so a couple losses in my family over the past three months um I had to put my dog Chewy down three months ago today actually and then uh, my mom's dog, Tink, lived a very long life. Uh, she was 16, and uh, she was uh, just ready to go. So so she uh, she passed away last week, and so I've got a song um, dedicated to her today. 
Um, that reminds me of her that we used to sing to her. So that will be the song that's played as we exit the show today. Um, wanted to let you guys know if you've missed any shows, they are all archived online. Uh, the website is www.dogtalkshow.com. If you go to the podcast page, all of the shows, the past shows will pop up. I think we've had 36 shows by now. Um, and just lots of really great interviews. Last week we had on Dr. Michael Fox, who is the co-author of a book called Not Fit for a Dog, The Truth About uh, Manufactured Dog and Cat Food, one of my favorite interviews, um, just s loaded with information, important information, especially if your dog has any sort of dietary issues or if you've ever had your dog on a prescription diet, certainly a show that you do not want to miss. And that was last week's show. Um, so go to the Dog Talk Show website, which is www.dogtalkshow.com. Um, we also do still have some advertising space available on the show. So if you're interested in getting some information about that, how you can advertise your business on the show, you can email me at host at dogtalkshow.com. Um, and I can send you some information about that. And we also have car stickers with our logo. And uh, if you'd like me to mail you a car sticker... We'll do that too, host at dogtalkshow.com. And uh, again, this song is dedicated to Tink. Have a great week. Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. Do you have an injury, old or new, that won't heal? Are you fighting a cold or illness you can't kick? Do you feel like you've tried everything and are still struggling to find wellness and balance in your physical health? Have you been unimpressed with acupuncture in the past? For over a decade, Robert Meduzia has been making a difference for people who thought they had exhausted their options. Don't settle for pain and illness. Call 425-828-6190. That's 425-828-6190. Again, 425-828-6190. The Acupuncture and Sports Clinic of Kirkland. Heal faster, play longer. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist, www.sensitivedog.com.